This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Caitlin, you've got second place in the singing contest. <gasps> no. No, you're happy about it. <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> now smash your trophy. You're not a champion. <gasps> no. no. That's, right, that's, that's the part I'm not happy about. Oh, mini driver yeah. as bully mother. You hate to see it. <laughs> I think that was a strong intro. It did go, uh, as it tends to do, it went a little Australian at the end. Uh, but... <laughs> That's oh. that's okay. We're this is a safe place because one guy told Caitlin they had a good Australian accent, and I chose to also take that as applying to me. So, yeah, of course, of course, we are a unit. We are one. We are a unit. Look at that unit. Uh, <laughs> and that unit is called the Bechtel Cast, and I'm Caitlin Durante, and I'm Jamie Loftus, uh, the other half of the unit. <laughs> And yeah, this is our podcast where we take a look at your favorite movies using an intersectional feminist lens, using the Bechdel test as a jumping off point for a discussion. But wait a second, Caitlin, what's the Bechdel test? Is it a mini driver yelling at her daughter to smash a trophy? Because spoiler alert, yes, it is. It does pass. (laughs) Yeah. So the Bechdel test, commonly known as the Bechdel-Wallace test, because Alison Bechdel created it in collaboration with her friend Liz Wallace. Mm-hmm. It first appeared in Alison Bechdel's comic Dykes to Watch Out For. And it's a media metric that has many versions. The one that we use is this. Do two characters of a marginalized gender have names? Do they speak to each other? Is that conversation about something other than a man? And a little caveat that we add is, is the conversation narratively important in some way or is it just throwaway dialogue because ideally it's a nice juicy conversation it's gotta have the juice yeah Uh, 
And uh, today we are covering a director we've covered many, many, and by many, I think I mean two, possibly three. Well, Love and Basketball. Yes. And, and The Woman King. The Woman King. Uh, right. So this uh, is three. This is three. A little does this director know that she's about to get her Bechtel cast Letterman jacket, uh, which is a <laughs> third appearance honor. Um, we are covering Beyond the Lights today, a 2014 movie directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood. And we have an amazing returning guest. It's true. They are a religious, black, multiracial, non-binary suicide survivor who is currently the seventh poet laureate of Portland, Maine. Yeah. I said Maine. Maine. That's not the name <laughs> of the state. <laughs> um their debut poetry collection, Judas and Suicide, was selected as a finalist for the New England Book Award. They also have a second poetry collection, Refused a Second Date. They recently published essays in venues such as LGBTQ Nation, Stylist, and Full Stop, as well as interviews in Black Girl Nerds. Uh, Maya was one of three artists of color selected to represent Maine in the Kennedy Center's Arts Across America series in 2020. And they were also selected as one of the Advocates Champions of Pride in 2022. Yeah. You can follow her at mayawilliamspoet.com. It's Maya Williams. Yes. Welcome back. back. Welcome back. I'm sorry it's not Dear Evan Hansen, but also I'm not sorry. It's okay. Honestly, I think that there's a few people out there breathing a sigh of relief that they have escaped the clutches of Evan Hansen this time. Just this time, Maya will be back and you, and you will experience the majesty of Evan Hansen. God, I really wish we could all watch that movie together. Um, I, I've never seen it, so I don't even know what people are talking about when they talk about it or like I obviously know what the I know it's a movie but I don't know brave why people talk about it there's so many ways to watch that movie <laughs> I, there's well, just a okay. I every every watch a poem <laughs> but no today we we're talking about beyond the lights uh Maya what is your history and connection with uh this movie with the filmmaker you know dealer's choice yeah I've seen I've I've seen this movie for the first time uh, my freshman year of college, mm -hmm. um, and I was obsessed with it at, at the time mm -hmm. because I was like, oh my god, biracial representation! Oh my god, mental health! And then and then come to adulthood of like, oh, I don't like how she's in love with a cop. Um, yeah. <laughs> We'll get into that. And and yeah, very familiar with this director's work. Um, I got to cover uh, The Secret Life of Bees on the on the Black Girl Film podcast. And that was a real joy and a real treat. Nice. Mm -hmm. That movie is really good. Has its flaws like any other movie. But yeah, enjoyed that. Sure. And yeah, it. I watched this movie twice in preparation for this. Ooh. And I couldn't find a commentary to like delve into. So I just spent a lot of my time just reading interviews and watching like featurette interviews mm -hmm. so so no commentary tidbits from me today but it'll still be damn i really i that's <laughs> like of, of the many things that we've lost in uh the like lack of physical media and i feel like i have to keep saying like i need to f issue a formal apology to all of my friends and lovers who i roasted for having too many dvds at their house including caitlin because wow. you were yeah. all right <laughs> 
You were all right. I was wrong. I accept your apology. And I think I'm really big for admitting that. Um, but I feel like one of the many things we've lost is the art of the commentary track. Yeah. They just don't happen. Mm-hmm. It's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do get, you know, we've gained letterboxed interviews. We've gained round tables, but we've lost the commentary. I just feel like we got to bring it back. What was the Ben Affleck commentary that was hilarious? Was it for Armageddon? It, it was for, I think it was for Armageddon. Yeah, where he was just, <laughs> and then there's also a really good one. Yeah, where he's just like roasting the whole they, movie. <laughs> Specifically from a science perspective, which is mm-hmm. just like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm reminded that like Ben Affleck is like a pretty smart person and it kind of like rattles, it rattles me every time I relearn that. Whereas sometimes you, or like you hear him speaking fluent Spanish, you're like, wow, mm-hmm. Ben Affleck is objectively smarter than me. <laughs> That's wild i mean this isn't passing the bechdel test whatsoever no but do you remember when he had a uh that cardboard cutout of anna de armas on his lawn when they were dating oh my gosh no i feel like that passed out of the cultural memory way too fast first of all that they did date it was like a pandemic relationship yeah and that like i guess that his kids liked her which is great, but that like led to, for some reason, there was a time during lockdown where there was a cardboard cutout of Ana de Armas on the lawn that the kids were like playing with. That's oh my gosh. weird. I feel like I'm remembering that <laughs> basically correctly. Uh, no, I I believe you. <sighs> okay. Well, anyway. Yeah, what's your history about... <laughs> with Beyond the Lights, Caitlin? <laughs> um, I had not seen it before. Hmm. So this was my first watch and... Yeah, that's kind of it. I think there's some interesting things about it that I enjoyed. And then there's other things that I didn't enjoy so much. Mm-hmm. And we'll dive into that further. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, short history with it. What about you, Jamie? Yeah, I also had not... Uh, this movie was not on my radar, which is I thought was kind of bizarre because I, I'm like... A fan of Gina Prince Bythewood, I just, I don't know. I don't know if, like, I'm sure I heard about it when it came out, but this movie just missed me. I'm not really sure what happened. It was successful, and it was well-reviewed. So I guess, I don't know, 2014, I was, I guess I was, like, working at a bakery. I don't know. I was at a bakery. I, I It missed me. Well, it was well-reviewed, but it only made like 14 million at the box office. So it's not as though a lot of people went and saw this and that this right. was like a super popular movie. Right. But it's like, all, I guess all I was saying was like, it's, it wasn't like a flop by any means. Sure. Right. But yeah, I, I uh, this one missed, uh, missed me. I had a fun time based on the very vague title, figuring out what uh, genre it was, which actually does speak <laughs> to what a prolific and, and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like when you when you hear that Gina Prince Bythewood has directed a movie, you know you're probably gonna like it, but she directs across so many genres yeah. that I was like, I don't really know what to expect from this. And uh it surprised me. I, I'm I'm excited to talk about it because I think that there's a lot of stuff about it that stands out in a way that I really liked. Uh there the the copaganda kind of <laughs> took me by surprise. Yeah. A- and like how specific the propaganda got. We were like, you know how the LAPD is really good at handling domestic violence situations. Oh, and you're like, hold yeah. on. Uh-uh. Now wait a second. But 
there's a lot of things to like about this movie. And also, I just feel like, I don't know, like the 2014-ness of this movie because of like what a pop culture focused movie it is was fun. You were like, for some reason, for some reason, Don Lemon participates in the climax of this movie. Don Lemon is... At the peak of the movie, I was like live texting the movie to someone else. I was like, you're never going to believe who makes a cameo at the emotional climax of the movie. It is Don Lemon. Uh, There's a lot of people in this movie who have since been disgraced. It just was very 2014 in a lot of ways. Uh, Mm. Don Lemon's at the climax of the, I just like Don Lemon spoke at my college graduation. It just was really taking me back to like college era. Yeah, my college graduation the two people who spoke were Don Lemon and Jay Leno. <laughs> Deeply cursed event, but I would love to know what those two people talked about uh, backstage. Anyways, this movie is weird. I think this movie is weird. I didn't love it, but I think that there's a lot to to like about it. And I'm excited mm-hmm. to talk about it. Well, shall we do that? Yeah. Let's shall do that. <laughs> Let's take a quick break first, and then we'll come back for the recap. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. And we're back. Okay, so before the recap, I will place a content warning for suicide, sexual assault, and domestic violence. So, uh, the story opens in South London in 1998. We meet Noni Jean. She's mixed. She is black and white. And her white mom, 
Macy, played by Minnie Driver. Jump scare. Did not see Minnie Driver coming. <laughs> no. Um, she takes Noni to a Black-owned hair salon because Noni is performing in a talent contest the following day, and Macy doesn't know how to style Black hair. While a radio recording about Princess Diana plays in the background. Yeah. God. Mm-hmm. I love... There should be... Because in general, this movie is like not. I just I think there should be like a good supercut of like clunky historical signifier moments. Because that's one where you're like, oh, is it 1997? I feel like there's so many movies that they're also like randomly apropos of nothing. They're like, are you afraid of Y2K? Just to let you know like <laughs> what it is. Anyways, yeah, yep. Okay, so then we see Noni at the talent contest. She does an amazing job singing Blackbird by Nina Simone, and she gets first runner-up, but her mom is furious that the judges picked another girl as the winner. Which, yeah, while the scene that Minnie Driver threw was embarrassing and unfair, giving it to, I think her name was Little Tammy. <laughs> she was uh-huh. robbed. Yeah. She was robbed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Robbed by a bunch of white girls in like very shiny clothes. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. which of course becomes very telling as to the trajectory for Noni, but like, mm-hmm. but yeah, we can get into that some more later. But right. The point is, though, that Macy puts a lot of pressure on Noni to be a winner, to be the best. Mm-hmm. We cut to Noni as an adult. She's played by Gugu Mbatha Ra. She is now a hip hop artist. Uh, like a breakout, like on the cusp of being like an an enormous record-breaking star. We see a very horny music video of hers. Which also is like so, I was like, oh, 2014! (laughs) (laughs) Scary! Uh, She wins her first Billboard Award for a song she performed with her boyfriend, kid culprit and also there's a 100% chance I will accidentally call him kid cuddy it's just gonna happen there well and also it's like it's also MGK which is also yes. another jump scare that you're just like okay midi driver I can accept that I like Mini, but then MGK and it's like 2014 MGK and he's clearly trying to like soft launch a movie career <laughs> it's just like what is happening wow here's <laughs> My little anecdote about that is that when I saw him in this movie, I did not recognize him because I don't know what Machine Gun Kelly looks like or who that even really is. I recognize the name. But then when I was like looking through the credits on IMDb, I was like, wait, what? Machine Gun Kelly? I know that name. Who is that person? And then I realized he plays Kid Culprit. And I'm like, Oh, so he's outside of like making a lot of bad music. He is most I think most famous for being in a really kind of intense public relationship with uh, Megan Fox. Yep. Oh, okay. that's my brush with Machine Gun Kelly was when I was working at a haunted hayride and he and <laughs> Megan Fox took like a huge like like not a limo but like a big like uber triple like a really nice car to the mm-hmm. hayride and paid like <laughs> $300 to get the VIP experience. And oh so my gosh. I was like doing my little scary thing. And then, uh, and then a tractor, like a hayride tractor full of only Mich- uh, Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly passed and they didn't get scared because it wasn't scary. Whoa. I guess you should have yeah. done a better job, Jamie. <laughs> it was really humbling. And seeing Machine Gun Kelly kind of brings me to a dark place. Ugh, I'm sorry. 
Well, anyway, he's okay. in the movie playing <laughs> Kid Cudi or something. Um, okay, so Noni's first album is dropping in a few weeks. And again, she's like on the precipice of like extreme. She's already famous, but she's like about to be a huge, huge star. Uh, her mom, Macy, is there and she's still very, very intense. And she is now Noni's manager. Uh, that night, Noni goes into her hotel room in Beverly Hills She's sitting on the railing of a balcony and she attempts suicide. But a cop named Officer Kaz Nickel, played by Nate Parker, saves her. And they have this moment where they look at each other meaningfully. And then in the aftermath of this suicide attempt, more cops have shown up, including... Kaz's dad, who is the police captain, played by Danny Glover. Jump scare Danny Glover. Of <laughs> Saw One fame. Uh, that is, uh, as we're always saying, his most iconic friend. role. <laughs> most iconic thing role. he's most famous for. Him being like, who is Jigsaw? <laughs> <laughs> People, people are just like Danny Glover. Oh, of Saw oh, One. Oh, from Saw One. Yeah, he doesn't make it to Saw Two, unfortunately. <laughs> no. I would love if they. I mean, there's been ten at this point. Bring him back for eleven, right? The canon's a mess. You, you like, oh you won't be gosh. disturbing any, and and <laughs> you know, Jigsaw would love to see him. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. Anyways, Danny Glover's in this movie. Yes, <laughs> and he's telling his son. Officer Kaz to lie about what happened. Who's and also Kaz? I'm not mistaken in saying that Kaz says it's short for Kazam. Kazam. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking through the letterbox. Also, follow me on Letterbox. I just Whoa. started an account. <gasps> uh, it's Jamie Alert. <laughs> but I was looking through Letterbox to see if anyone makes note of the fact that our romantic lead is named Kazam. Mm. Which is a joke that only appears once. I think that like it comes back one more time where she's like, wow, Kazam, you sure know how to kiss. And it was like, his name's Kazam. <laughs> his name is Kazam. He says that he was named that because his parents thought it sounded African. Yep. And then we just breeze past the rest of all of that. Right. And then you're like, <laughs> okay, well, he is too old to be named after the genie that Shaq played. So I guess that that is out. <laughs> Right. But that would be wild. In my head canon, he was named after <laughs> Shaq Genie. Oh, wow. Remember that? Um, Remember that? I do. And, and you know what? It's high time we cover that movie. Oh, my god. It's goodness. honestly kind of shocking that we haven't covered Kazam. <laughs> I really, I cannot tell you a thing that happened in that movie, but I know that I was really into it. I saw it at a drive-in movie theater and I also couldn't tell you a single thing, but... Definitely Shaq's name is Kazam in that movie. Yeah. So there are two movie characters named Kazam. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but isn't there that Mandela effect thing where people are like, wasn't his character's name Shazam? Oh, is Was that Oh a, is my that gosh. Is that it? I think so. Does that sound familiar? I'm not familiar with that. Hang on. I have to look this up. This is important. Um, <laughs> this is a good episode already. <laughs> We're like Ana de Armas cardboard cutout. Kazam. Uh, although. Oh, uh, no. Wait. It's not Shaq. It's Sin Sinbad? Wait. Hang on. It was no, Sinbad? It's, it's definitely Shaq. It's definitely yeah, Shaq. Yeah, I thought it was Shaq. Is Sinbad Shazam and 
Shaq is cousin? Maybe. Wait. Oh, there we go. <laughs> what? No, Shazam uh-huh. is <laughs> is that superhero movie from DC? Oh, what am I thinking? There's some. I swear I to goodness, know. there's some. I believe Mandela you. effect thing here. I believe I something about like Mandela effect Sinbad rings a vague bell. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Anyway, let's move along. <laughs> Okay, so Officer Danny Glover is telling Kaz. I just found a Reddit post from seven years ago on r slash Mandela effect titled The Sinbad Genie Movie. So you are correct. (laughs) Let's see. Okay, even the people involved like Sinbad himself claim there is no such thing, but everyone I talk to remembers it in some fashion if they're old enough to hit the demographic. Mm-hmm. So this is someone who is convinced there is a Sinbad genie movie. I I also okay, I knew it. There's okay. We all remember if if we're old enough. Well, I'm gonna text it to you. I'm gonna just so we can link it in the description. This feels relevant. Yeah, it does. Um, all right, all right. Anyway, sorry. The movie. Yes. It's, Gina Prince Bythewood set herself up for this by naming her romantic lead Kazam. She did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So Officer Danny Glover is telling Kaz to lie about what happened, that Noni had too much to drink and she slipped on accident in order to kind of like protect her image. Titanic vibes big time. Okay. And I, I slipped... And I would have gone overboard if, if Mr. Kazam here hadn't, hadn't saved, saved me, me. <laughs> and almost gone over, over himself. himself. Okay, the Titanic parallels in this movie, and I don't. Okay, Shocking. I don't want to make light of suicide or suicidal ideation, but no. specifically around this plot point, there are so many Titanic parallels that I will insist on saying. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, okay. So Kaz is like no I don't want to lie about this like she should be in the hospital she needs help but he is pressured to go ahead with this lie at a press conference and so now he's very disappointed in Noni and like this situation this fabrication and despite what was claimed at this press conference the media the fans everyone is still speculating that it was a suicide attempt and because of the sex symbol image that the music industry has cultivated for Noni, a suicide attempt, quote unquote, tarnishes that image. So the record label wants to push her album release back, but Macy negotiates with the label to keep it as is. So now there's even more pressure on Noni to get people to forget about this story that's still circulating around the news. Uh, Meanwhile, Kaz is receiving a lot of attention since he was the person who saved Noni, and he has public exposure now for speaking at that press conference, and he is being encouraged to leverage this and use it to elevate himself as a political candidate because he has aspirations as a politician. He then goes to pay a visit to Noni to apologize for how he behaved after the press conference. Mm -hmm. And they're vibing again. And she's like, let's get out of here. So they run away from her mom and all the paparazzi. And they go to get some food. And they watch some planes take off at LAX. 
you know, really fun activity. I think we can all agree. It was <laughs> something that made me laugh because there, I mean, this movie, and I say this with love, there's a lot of moments that are very corny. Oh, for uh, sure. One of these moments is when they're in the car and Officer Kazam is like, you're cold. You should wear my jacket. And I was like, or turn the heat on in the car. No, yeah. The fuck are you talking I about? I watching this and he said the same thing. He was like, turn the heat on. <laughs> and if I was, yeah, if I was noting, I'd be like, uh, no, I don't need your crusty jacket. Can you please yeah. run the heat? Gross. I wonder, because throughout the movie, he's like, well, we'll get there, but he's very judgy about different yes. things. Yes. And I wonder if it was him kind of implying, you're showing too much skin in that revealing outfit. Like, let me cover you up. It's so, like, I don't know. This is another movie that it's wild. It's almost 10 years old, and you can, like, feel in a good way how like the way that characters are written even in this director's movie specifically has like significantly evolved Mm -hmm, for sure in any case they're at the airport and they're vibing until she finds a business card of a tabloid journalist who was offering Kaz money for the exclusive story on what really happened that night at the balcony And so Noni assumes his intentions aren't great. He doesn't like what she's implying. So now things are pretty tense between them. And he drops her off at the house she recently bought in Beverly Hills, question mark. And he's like, okay, bye. And she's like, actually, wait, I do trust you and let's kiss. So they do. And then he leaves and goes home. And his dad... Danny Glover is like, be careful. You're trying to be a politician, but she's not first lady material. Yeah, like, and so as a professional cop, like, you're more so concerned for your son's political image than the fact that your son, a fellow police officer, is dating someone who he saved. Like, that's that. What? <laughs> it's really bizarre. Yeah. I mean, and I, I, I had to keep challenging. I'm like, is am I like bringing 2024 brain to the way that the media cycles work? Or is it like written a little behind the time it came out? And I'm not totally sure. Because, yeah, I'm like, in my mind, if that happens, any establishment person, which his dad is, would be like, great, go with this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't know. People love when pop stars date cops unless they're young it would like do you remember when lana del rey dated a cop that oh, didn't God. go very well nah. she really lost she really lost some people on that one but it's like that maybe it's like we weren't at that point in discourse yet where your young fans if they found out you were dating a cop would be like oh not really into this era 2014 cops were perceived more favorably by well, like the sure. general public which is why i have so many questions about the ethical dilemma around around that it's like yeah it seems like a win-win i don't know this movie is like attempting to say things about pr relationships that i think is interesting but i was a little confused on like where it landed right Mm -hmm. anyway so danny glover is like you shouldn't be hanging out with her it's bad for your career but noni and kaz keep seeing each other anyway There's a montage where she's doing different, like, you know, learning dance choreography and like doing a -a make-a-wish thing and photo shoots. And he's there every step of the way. But like we foreshadowed, he's being like pretty judgy about quite a bit of it in a way that, whatever, we'll get there. But 
he's like, wow, the lyrics to your songs also are like, bleh. And she's like, yeah, I wish I could write songs with more meaningful lyrics. And he's like, okay, do it. And she's like, look at my box full of basically like just little handwritten notes of lyrics that have come to her, which honestly sharing that with anyone else, brave, I would not. Yeah. Right. But that's just me. Um, that would be like someone like looking through my joke notebook. God. Wouldn't wouldn't be me. Wouldn't be sharing that. Yeah. I gotta share a clean draft yeah. of something <laughs> if someone's interested in me. <laughs> Seriously. That may be a little sad because yeah, I was like, wow, like Nodi is, is really like needing connection with someone so much that she'll like take a risk and show something that vulnerable with like objectively at this point in the movie, some guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and then also Kaz is like, what about Kid Culprit? And she's like, yeah, he's kind of my boyfriend. And he's like, okay, what about us? So then Noni breaks up with Kid Culprit and he seems very chill about it and they still have a working relationship. Right. He he does say a phrase, you use the press, don't let the press use you. Right. Yeah. So that's for like a later scene. But at, this, but at the same time, like, yeah, the, the later scene still... It confuses me and that it doesn't confuse me, but we'll, but I know we keep saying, we'll get to that. It, it's, <laughs> we, there's so much. Like, <laughs> there's, so much. there's so, there's so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, that will kind of come to a head in a moment, but first Noni does a sexy little surprise for Kaz by blindfolding him and taking him on a private jet because he's never been on a plane before i was weirdly like not comfortable yeah. with her behavior because he panics he's like let me yeah. off the let me off the plane and she's like no no babe and i'm like yes babe and then she like is ignoring all of his like very obvious signals that exactly. he's very uncomfortable and then has sex with him. Yeah. yeah it's a consent issue yeah. and it's a like basic human safety issue. I was really grossed out by that. I can't believe I'm defending officer Kazam in this, but like let him off the plane. Absolutely. Let him off the plane. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then Nani does a live performance Backstage, though, her mom, Macy, is like, hey, Kaz, you're not good for my daughter because every time people see you together, they see her on that balcony. You know, who's better for her is Kid Cuddy or whatever. Kid Culprit. <laughs> I know. Imagine, that's how you know Mini Driver is a villain where she's like, you know who would be a great boyfriend for you? Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> you're like, no good parent would choose no. that for their child. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, though, on stage at this performance... There's this situation where the choreography was supposed to be that she was going to remove her jacket during the performance. She decides to keep it on. Kid Culprit is then like trying to like forcibly remove it. He's also becoming very violent and like rapey on stage. And then he takes the mic and he's just like, you know, hey, everyone, she didn't break up with me. I broke up with her. And that's why she tried to jump off the balcony. It's really disgusting. And then a fight breaks out between Kaz and Kid Culprit. So Danny Glover is disappointed in Kaz for jeopardizing his political career. Sounding like every black dad in the world. So you a thug mm. now? <laughs> <sighs> and then Macy's also disappointed in Noni for reasons. I'm not even sure what is happening there. but She calls her a bloody cliche. And it sort of goes back to like what she said earlier about like, 
well, listen, Brit- Britney Spears and Kanye West still had these stunts that they came out with albums. Like, what makes Noni any different? And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, all this is getting to Noni, and she has a breakdown. Kaz comforts her, and then he takes her on this, like, relaxing getaway to Mexico. Oh, and then we get a huge, uh, like, it's like a montage. It is like a five-minute montage of them eating one food, get, getting one kiss. You're just like, yeah, vibe. Yeah, it's a vibe. It's a vibes they're montage. On, they're on the beach. You might even say she's going beyond the lights. Wow. All of those flashing paparazzi photos, all of the lights, camera action. All the lights, camera Jackson. Remember him? <laughs> no. But we, Caitlin! <laughs> we have to keep going. Yeah, we have to keep going. Um, the, the movie was originally titled Blackbird, and then it got changed to Beyond the Lights. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I I wonder what that what the reasoning was on that because I think Blackbird makes way more sense. Uh, Ed feels like more attuned to what the clear like to what the movie is, and also she sings the song fifty times. <laughs> Beyond the yes. Lights. They don't say that once in the movie. Therefore, how could it be the title? (laughs) How could it be the title? Okay, so they're doing all this stuff. And then there's a scene where they sing karaoke. And this is one of the times that Noni sings Blackbird, just like she did when she was a kid at the talent contest. But someone has recorded her singing this and they've posted it on the internet. So Macy figures out where Noni is, as does the paparazzi. So they all kind of like, crash her quiet getaway and noni and her mom seem to have a tender moment for once and then macy's like okay back to the grind and noni's like okay let's go but kaz is like no things are just gonna go back to the way they were which was like very toxic for you but he also sounds really judgy yeah yeah Yeah. he's shaming her he's judging her and he's also like i know what's best for you and i'm like surely the plot won't enforce this reality but it does um yeah so yeah they like argue and then he breaks up with her so noni and kaz return to la but separately and Noni, with this video of her singing Blackbird, fans are seeing this new side of her. So she wants to record a new song for the upcoming album, something that she writes because she's like, I have something to say and people seem to want to hear it. And it seems like her mom advocates for her in a meeting with the label, but it turns out that Macy was full of shit. So Noni confronts Macy about how she controlled every aspect of Noni's life and career and how she turned her into this like sexy product to be sold and consumed. And then Noni fires Macy as her manager. Oh, it is like, yeah, the also like 2014, um, I feel like was a high for like momager representation. We had like... The Kardashians approaching their peak. I was like, wow, interesting putting a momager character. Also very mid-2010s decision. Mm -hmm. Firing the momager. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile, Kaz is gearing up to announce his candidacy as, I think he's going to be running for city council person in LA. Cool. That's what we we need. Another cop on city council. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Noni approaches him to try to make up, but he brushes her off, saying that 
what they had started on a lie. So it was never going to work. And again, it's just like, oh, right. A fundamental part of Officer Kazam is that he values the truth. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. How yeah, because politicians are famously obsessed with telling the truth. Right. The LAPD really gets away with a lot in this movie. Oh. The famously honest LAPD. <laughs> right. Mm. Okay, so then Noni goes on TV. Her label wants her to dispel the myth that she attempted suicide once and for all. But instead, she tells the truth. She says that she was attempting suicide and she realized that she had to stop trying to be someone who she wasn't. And now she's living her authentic life. This is where the Don Lemon uh, becomes integral to the to the plot. (laughs) Right, right. Kaz sees this interview and he's proud that she finally is telling the truth. Then Noni does a concert in the UK where she performs a song that she wrote, which pays homage to Nina Simone's Blackbird. And then Kaz shows up and he's like, hey, I love you, by the way. And she's like, cool, I love you too. And that's how the movie ends. So let's take a quick break and we will come back to discuss. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. And we're back. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, Maya, is there anywhere that jumps uh, out to you for for a uh, starting point here? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No, like it's, it's like so much. Like 
Yeah. And I do feel like we need to talk specifically about Nathan Parker because because yes. his mm-hmm. his personal life is is relevant to the movie. So yeah, Nate Parker, uh if you don't remember this was a, a huge point of discussion. I believe five-ish years ago now, um, was a prominent actor and filmmaker who had assaulted and and raped a student uh, while in college in the late 90s, early 2000s, and was found guilty in the early 2000s of having done this. Um, As we see very often, this resulted in a small settlement for the survivor and a slap on the wrist for Nate Parker, essentially. Mm. He moved schools and went on to obviously thrive significantly. This story became, I think it became a huge cultural talking point in 2019, although the information was always available, but it became a cultural talking point post Me Too, essentially, after he had been a working filmmaker for some time. And it also came out, I don't remember the exact timeline of this, but it was found out when it became a discussion point that the person he had raped had taken their own life several years before. In, in 2012, yeah. In 20, yeah, and in, in like right uh, maybe maybe I'm getting the timeline wrong. I and mean, this was coming. This was happening when his Birth this of a Nation 2016. movie came out. Yeah, Birth when Birth of a Nation okay. came out, 2016. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's actually a little bit ahead of the Me Too movement. Wow, I can't believe it was that long ago. God, time. But yes, that that the woman he assaulted had taken her own life back in 2012. Um, this did absolutely impact his career, but I feel like it has sort of fallen out of. The conversation to the point where honestly when I it took me a second to for my brain to catch up I was like oh that's Nate Parker and oh oh yeah. oh like there and particularly with the subject matter of this movie his his presence is like really difficult to stomach in context yes. that he is the one who is I mean I take issue with the concept of like his being the rescuer in the first place but given the actor and his his history like it's just it's gross yeah horrifying and i mean the relationship between his character and noni plays out in a way that i find very unsettling Mm -hmm. as well i mean like we mentioned, there are some Titanic parallels. The The beginning of their relationship feels very like Jack and Rose mm-hmm. <laughs> coded where, mm-hmm. um, so for example, Noni and Rose, they start off the movie in a relationship with a shitty rich white guy. Mm-hmm. Both women feel intense pressure from society and from their mothers to stay with this guy. Both women attempt suicide. Then in both cases, a man who comes from more humble beginnings intervenes in her suicide attempt and saves her. There's encouragement in both stories to lie that this was a suicide attempt. The man who intervened will go on to become the woman's new boyfriend. And 
he will help the woman escape that world that she felt trapped in and break free from all the pressure and live a, a new, more authentic life. So yeah. very, very just titanic stuff happening here. Um, even some of the dialogue uh, where Rose says at one point, I feel like I'm standing in the middle of a crowded room, screaming at the top of my lungs, and no one even looks up. And Noni says, I feel like I'm suffocating in the middle of the street and no one can see me dying. And you're like, it's an updated. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but I just wanted to take it back for a second because I'm, I'm glad that you brought up Nate Parker's criminal history and history of, of assaulting women. Uh, I, I guess what going into this viewing and knowing that, how does that inform how the subject matter is treated in the movie? Does it make a difference for you? I'm, I'm just curious if, on, on your take on that. Yeah, it's like Gina Prince-Bythewood has, has always like, like in like previous interviews and like previous commentary and stuff for like The Secret Life of Bees, like she'd always talk about like how he was such a nice guy and like he was very re respectful of like the love interest he was paired with in, in her films. And it's just mm -hmm. very disappointing because like these consensual interactions does not erase the huge huge amount of lack of consent um in 2001 when he was at penn state and it's also quite heartbreaking because like he he gets to make movies again and you have these actors and filmmakers going like oh he's he's learned his lesson like he's going through a lot of learning and da -da -da. and it's just so sad and it's so weird seeing like the concert scene where kid culprit is is assaulting Noni and then Nate Parker's character is framed as the hero in that situation. And, mm -hmm. and it's very unsettling to watch. And it also, it also doesn't help that like another way, like Kid Culprit's character was sort of foreshadowing, like in the, in like the sexy music video in the beginning, he's, he's, he's like strangling Noni a little bit. And I just have so many questions around like, how were you directed in mm -hmm. this? And also like Gina Prince Bythewood, like I, I have not agreed with how she likes to place her actors in situations without their permission in order to get them in the role. Like she, she plays Jennifer Hudson in a store where white men are calling her the N word in order to prepare her for the secret life of bees. Um, oh. And then for beyond the lights, uh, she placed Gugu Mbatha and, and Nate Parker in a situation where paparazzi show up and he has to take care mm -hmm. of her unexpectedly. And also, like, I don't know, like, given Nate Parker's history, I'm like, don't leave him alone with Cuckoo. Like, right. But yeah, I saw that referenced in a Vulture interview that she did around the release of this movie. And it was like, I honestly, I like, I was surprised. I wonder if she still does stuff like that. I guess I don't know how you would do that for the Woman King. But, but it felt almost like Blair Witch Project production approaches, uh -huh. where it's like, I'm just gonna leave you in the woods. Won't that be fun? Yeah, I mean, th thank you for your for your, your insight on that. And I'm realizing that the reason that I thought this had taken place in 2019 is because that's the last time he directed a movie. Yep. Um, so he has since, in fact, directed movies since this became a publicly known story. And he's currently filming another one. So if you, you know, here's your daily reminder that uh, cancellation isn't a thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But... I thought it was, I, I, I don't know, I, I, uh, as far as the way suicidality and mental health is treated in this movie, it was a little, it was like all over the place for me, where I think that like this movie does have something to say about 
how I mean it, it felt like in line with a lot of pop stars stories of how extremely constrictive and controlled Noni's life is and how that pressure and being forced in all these directions she doesn't want to go in has an extreme adverse effect on her mental health to the point where she's driven to this place I guess I wish that the uh, it's a romance movie so this was never going to happen I just wish it had spent a little more time analyzing that it felt like the way that that ends up being analyzed is in a pretty surface yeah uh surfacey kind of way that allows a lot of the abusive people kind of off the hook a little bit mm-hmm. i was surprised i was i think that if this movie was made today noni would more likely cut her mom out of her life and not just out of her business mm. um i felt like macy maybe got off a little easy but that's that's just my opinion i guess i got the impression that she did cut her out of her life because like she's not or i guess what i'm more referring to is like how the neighbor or, or hairstylist that she grew up near was sort of encouraging her like your mom loves you she'd love to see you sometime like it just felt like that door was not completely closed at the end I don't know my big concern about it is something we were um, starting to touch on which is to me an implication that she is almost cured of her suicidal ideation because of the romance of a man yeah I also thought and I you know you might feel different ways about this but we never see her getting or seeking actual medical help or like mm-hmm. getting help from mental health professionals. Yeah, she, she only mentions right, it. She says yeah. it. She says she it, says, but I'm getting help. We and you're like, don't know if that's useful to know what that means. Or in right. This like, what does that mean? Is that even true? And it would have been so helpful because, you know, there's still so much stigma around therapy and mental health in general. It was even worse mm-hmm. 10 years ago when this movie came out. It would have been very nice to see a character seeking and getting that help with her mental health on screen Mm -hmm. the movie just glosses over it and basically just implies you know she was cured of this and it's the same thing that titanic does really (laughs) uh she's cured of her suicidal ideation because this man helps to set her free and i don't like that implication there's there's an interview where Regina Prince Bythewood is like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to make a film where it just looks like she's saved by a man, and it's like, well, well, you did, well, you did, yeah, and like, did. and she, and she had talked about like, if I wanted to take a more realistic approach, like it would have been a thing where Kaz died on the job and Noni lost him through that way, and I'm like. <laughs> Like you, like I, like I would have been totally fine with like their narrative ending with like Noni comes to his house and is like thanks and like and yeah he's he's judgy when he's all like this started out on a lie, uh but like I I totally would have been fine with just ending it a breakup and she continues to thrive in her music career without him. That's what mm-hmm. I would have loved so much better. Yeah, like it's just. Uh... I totally agree with with what you're saying. Like, I do feel like in the last half hour of the movie, she becomes more self-motivated and is starting to make her own choices. But it starts very late in the movie for me. Like, it, I think after they get back from the trip in Mexico, mm-hmm. that is, that's sort of the first time in the movie that I can think of that you see Noni start to make her own choices. They're not all good choices, but they're choices, right? Because... 
what's his name? Kazam is telling her like, don't go back with your mom. And she's like, well, I want to. And like deviates from what she's being told to do. But prior to that, it's like she is being shepherded in all these ways, which I know is consistent with the character because how she's set up, her life is extremely controlled. But in terms of like telling this story, I sort of wanted to see her I don't know. Like, I just don't feel like I know her as well as the movie is telling me that I know right. her. Mm-hmm. And and because of like the context and tone of the movie, you could have a therapist in this movie easily. And it would be helpful as a viewer to understand like, and, and by the time we learn more about her childhood outside of the opening scene, it almost feels like kind of too late to get into because I I think that like Macy is behaving cartoon villain the entire movie and like is I think that that is like we don't get a lot of movies about mothers and daughters period much less a mother with a biracial daughter like there there's a lot of uh, things happening in this movie that you don't often see Mm -hmm. but I feel like it takes so late in the movie to understand I don't know I just felt like there were things I was missing that the movie thought I had Mm -hmm. the whole time and it fills in that space that I would like to know about and like the opportunity this movie has to comment on stardom and it fills it up with this like love story with a cop Mm -hmm. that I was not really rooting for at any point. I kept wanting like no need to like break out on her own, go to Mexico by yourself, mm-hmm. meet someone in Mexico. Like it just, because even the trip was like Kaz's idea yeah. and it's all his idea. And I just don't like, yeah, it, it, I think that, you know, he certainly poses less of an immediate exploitational harm to her than her mother does but it does feel like going from one set of controlling hands to another exactly in a way that doesn't really feel challenged by the movie and makes me feel for Noni I'm like she's gotta like clean the house completely including the boyfriend it would (laughs) feel good especially because he's also the one that kind of suggests slash gives her the idea sort of that she should write her own songs and i'm like and how she, is that his idea how is it his <laughs> like, idea <laughs> what <sighs> it just i feel like yeah there, there's i think there's a real importance and like i like showing it makes sense to me that noni's character would be fragile in many ways and i think you know like and we've talked about this on the show a million times how women and femmes when they're put in lead roles I think the overcorrection of she's you know girl bossing around in a way that like doesn't really square with how she was raised and what she's experienced Mm -hmm. but it still feels like it it, she doesn't have enough agency to the point where she's a global pop star and it has never occurred to her to write her own song and she has to be told by an LAPD officer named Kazam and like I just don't buy it I don't like that as a plot point Mm -hmm. i don't like it Mm -mm. i wish she had more interactions with other women and femmes in the industry like all all we get is her walking past shaka khan a shaka khan going i like your hair and that's all that's all we get which was delightful but But you're like like, i want more i want more yeah why doesn't she have any I feel like you could explain that away by like the level of control her mom has but even like a fellow pop star like there's 
I don't know. Even even uh, extremely sheltered and controlled pop stars know other sheltered and controlled <laughs> pop stars. Exactly. Right. They could commiserate about that. They collaborate yeah. all the time. <laughs> exactly. And that's a way more interesting story. I, uh, I can't get past the cop thing. I just like it's so de- oh, like me neither. he could he could be I, I it like even it it bugs me less if he's just an aspiring politician mm-hmm. and i know that like again there's no i will never understand why that was the decision but um i i like they share this common theme that their lives are predetermined and through this relationship they need to bust out of these expectations that their parents have for them and how their lives should go i get that that is their like parallel mm-hmm. i don't understand why he has to be a cop. my guess yeah. is that as this story was being crafted, it was like, well, under what circumstances would she get saved? Because mm-hmm. that seemed to be like writer-director Gina Prince-Bythewood wanted that to be the kind of impetus for this relationship to form. So it's like, okay, well, sh- someone needs to save her. Who would save her? A cop that's kind of acting as a bodyguard? Yeah, that makes sense. And it's like, well, no, it doesn't have to be that, number one. It doesn't have to be... every Any man who saves you or intervenes in in some kind of, you know, violence, whether it's self-inflicted or otherwise... You don't need to fall in love with them. But right. so many movies yeah. present that as like, well, this man saved this woman. So obviously she's going to end up with him. Mm-hmm. That doesn't have to be the case. I don't, you know, I, I respect Gina Prince-Bythewood as a filmmaker. And of course. my guess is just like tropes beget tropes. She set out to write a love story. I was watching an interview with Variety that she was giving and... She said that she wanted to write a love story and that she was interested in what was going on in the music industry at the time, especially in regards to how it treats women. And she's like, okay, I can marry these two ideas together. That's my story. And so she set out specifically to write a love story. And, you know, when filmmakers write stories, they're like, okay, how do these go? Like, what? (laughs) How does a movie love story go? And my guess is just, you know, you're inspired by previous similar movies and stories and mm-hmm. and then we ended up with this yeah. yeah i'm sorry i don't mean to like completely drag her no, no, i just no no no, 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 no. especially cuz it's like where i don't know it's like where we live i and and just <laughs> i don't know even if the cop stuff was more in the background than it is but it goes out of the way to show you how good he is in the context of his job for sure like especially the domestic violence thing really bothered me yeah Uh, it was really frustrating yeah that there's this didn't even come up in the recap really because it's not necessary Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. there there's two different times where you see there's a domestic violence uh situation in i couldn't tell what neighborhood it was supposed to be but in a low-income neighbor neighborhood in Mm -hmm. la that Officer Kazam is sent to, and he solves the problem. He's a which, hero. Like, yeah. The cops, and specifically the LAPD, famously do not do. And it's like they cut to this story twice. Mm-hmm. And the second time he's not in uniform. It's like, can, can't you be sued no. for like liability for that? And like, right. He's not on duty. Um, he, yeah, there's the scene where he's trying to basically convince the local pastors to like endorse his political candidacy and he's talking about you know oh the violence in this community and if i am elected i'll turn it all around but he's referring to 
like the the violence you see on screen is this like one case of domestic violence which of course is you know very real and very serious mm-hmm. but again cops historically don't respond well to those situations and there's no mention if he's talking about violence there's no mention of police brutality that targets black and brown people the movie's just general opinion of cops is like no 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 they're the good guys they're serving and protecting and they're the heroes and they're gonna they're gonna do the right thing every time Right. I thought it was interesting that like, I get, I I don't know, maybe I'm overthinking it at this point. But if we're like talking the parallels between the two characters who are in live, they're both being pushed by these institutions to do things that they don't want to do. But like what is presented with on Officer Kazam's side is that he's pushed to be a politician. And it's the politician system that is bad. But if he just wants to be a cop, that's fine. Right. Where it's like, if she doesn't like, and she just wants to be a singer songwriter. And I was like, we just like singer songwriter and LAPD officer. It's not the same thing. Right. I just, I, I don't know. Like, obviously, you know, like I, I like that, you know, the system that is trying to push him into uh, basically, you know, like doing the politician thing and using all of the connections and altering how you behave and what you say and what you do to serve getting a position that is like all very well taken and mirrors Noni's experience as well. But I don't know. And that's all I'll say about it. But the, I, I don't know. I, I kept trying to be like shifting it in my head to be like, he's a, he's a security guard. Basically, he's basically a bodyguard, mm-hmm. but the movie does not let you do that. It keeps being like, and he is great at this job that is noble and effective. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, very 2014. Mm-hmm. And that's, I guess, all I'll say about it. Yeah. Something I think the movie handles better is the mm-hmm. examination of the sexualization and commodification of entertainers in general but especially women and femmes of their artistic talent and of their bodies to be clear as we've always said on the show we don't have a problem with an entertainer or any adult person being sexy wearing sexy clothes showing Mm -hmm. skin i sound so old making art about (laughs) sex all that kind of stuff who's machine gun kelly (laughs) and gina prince by the way talks about that in interviews too where where she said, like, I do believe there are there are pop stars who are genuine about like honing their yeah. honing their sexuality, and she's like, I just I just take issue with like those who are pressured into it when they don't need to be. Exactly, totally. it's, it's all about like, is the sexiness on the artist's terms? Mm-hmm. Are they consenting right. to this image that's being presented of them? Are they being given agency and choice in the matter, or is it being foisted on them? And as we learn throughout the movie, this like sex symbol image for noni was foisted on her by her mother by her mom by her record label mm, yeah and she desperately wants to be seen the way that she wants to be seen not how the music industry wants to see her and she wants to yeah. you know be able to for the artist slash musician side of her to be more authentic to who she is but she can't because of all the pressure that's coming at her from mm. all these directions and it's all wearing on her so much this lack of autonomy and agency and, and everything and that she and she feels so trapped by it that it leads her to attempt suicide and i think that's pretty effective commentary on just the music industry and the media and the way that 
you know, record labels and and paparazzi and how all of that exploits artists and musicians. And Mm -hmm. again, her mom and the response she gets from fans on social media, like there's just so much weighing on her. Yeah. And I thought that was handled pretty well. Yeah. I liked how they involved when it came to like the movie making process, they involved people who who have worked with pop stars that such the choreographer Lorianne Gibson mm-hmm. uh, who's the inspiration behind the movie Honey really and, I yeah. didn't know that oh my god Jessica Alba and she plays Jessica Alba's rival even though like looking back on it I'm like you could you des- you deserve to play you in your own movie like Jessica <laughs> oh Alba god. was chosen to play you that it, for me I'm like oh that that sucks um <laughs> That's not non-black person gets to play you in a movie mm. about you. I... <laughs> but anyways, um, between conversations uh, between the choreographer and the director, like the word that they said kept coming up was the word ratchet, which made me laugh mm. as far as like being as intentional with realistic aspects of the of like choreography as possible, which I thought was very cool. Um, and, and at the same time, though, it's like the lyrics are so on the nose. Like, treat me like your object. Right. There's, I love, I love (laughs) songs written to make a point in a movie because they're, they're so uncanny valley. They're like, stick your face in it. And you're like, okay, it's not quite giving a song that exists, but, but I, but I see where you're coming from. I see your point. Yeah, I thought that yeah. the the way that those themes were treated felt like to be like the strength of the movie and like mm-hmm. what I wish there had been more of. Like I would have happily swapped out the majority of the romance mm-hmm. for another pop star character to play off of yep. or someone within the industry because it felt like the, these good points were made about the industry, but they were all made by like this outside party quote unquote every man in a way that felt like it would be better illustrated to just like it's a lot of telling where you could have had a lot of showing Mm -hmm. but you still get like a lot of interesting things that I feel like have aged very well as information Mm -hmm. around the lives of pop stars that we grew up with uh, continue to come out like she's emotionally abused by a stage parent from a very young age Mm -hmm. and is clearly profited on by a stage parent who does not have her best interests at heart. That's a very common thing. Uh, I thought that like also like the, the little parts of um, after she attempts suicide, she's not only told that she needs to walk it back to save her career. She also has to actively and repeatedly apologize to her fans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the way that it happens, it feels like pretty in step with what happened in the mid 2010s. I feel like the more there, it would be an even more cynical approach now. But then it's like, I, you know, excessive drinking is no joke kids and I apologize and like you see pop stars doing that today with people who have young fan bases if they display humanity (laughs) in any way or if they're like Mm -hmm. a person well into their 20s or 30s that are like having a night out they have to apologize to children and it's just like this very very twisted thing and Mm -hmm. the way I mean it's a little on the nose how she's criticized by the media because it's also clear that like Gail King is having fun doing this fake interview, <laughs> uh, but but I, I it felt 
close enough to reality. The record yeah. store exec, uh, uh, the record label executives maybe felt a little over the top cartoon villain to me. Or they maybe, were like, but also I feel Nobody like is supposed to be the girl every guy wants to be with. Like <laughs> that, you're just is a little over it. But uh, but but it, the spirit of it felt true of right, like yeah. how controlled her life had to be, and the way that I mean, I think especially and and there's been a fair amount of public conversation about this, about how black women in entertainment are treated mm-hmm. and yes. uh, and discarded, where, you know, it's it feels clear in the writing, the performance and the story that Noni is scaling an even steeper hill in terms of how she has to conduct herself to be quote unquote respected as a pop star, which I feel like comes out really clearly in uh, the through line about her hair and like a big turning point in her character story is when she takes out the lavender, <laughs> the lavender weave that she's been wearing for most of the movie mm-hmm. when they're on vacation in Mexico and she starts uh, just having natural hair. And that's like a big, I feel like that was the turning point for me where I was like, I started to feel really invested, but she's so helpless for so much of the movie. In a way that's like, you understand why she feels helpless and you know we know that she feels trapped and she doesn't have the autonomy and agency that she wants but also the movie writes her in certain ways that she doesn't I don't know it's this complicated thing and I don't want to sound like I'm victim blaming where like oh why didn't she just advocate for herself all the time like that's a very difficult thing to do when you're so of course repressed by everyone around you 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 don't have the ability to do that a lot of the time but I don't know so I just think it's more the like because I agree and I I don't mean to sound like I'm like well why doesn't she just I think that the, Mm -hmm. the thing for me is more like it feels like the suggestion is that cop boyfriend is the solution. Right, 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 right. And, and it's suggest, and that at that point, it's been heavily suggested that that is the solution for over an hour. And right. Yeah. Yes. I uh, just wanted to touch a little bit more on the relationship between Noni and her mother where we yes. see the the pressure that Macy puts on Noni from the time that she's a little kid making her throw away her you know runner up trophy and then from that point on we see all the ways in which her mother controls Noni's life or is complicit in this like music industry false image mm-hmm. of Noni where we see things like after Noni's suicide attempt, Macy clearly doesn't know how to process this and responds mm-hmm. with anger and disappointment rather than yeah. concern or compassion. Yeah. Um, Look at all you have. You have you have nothing to nothing to cry about. Oh, she's fucking awful. Yeah, yeah. We see Macy controlling what Noni eats. We see yes. her. That I thought was really well done, like in terms of how subtle it was, where yeah. there's a scene happening and she takes out the fried food yeah. and throws it at like just stuff. And Noni doesn't flinch. This is clearly routine what for her, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we see that scene during a photo shoot where Noni is told to take off her top or her jacket mm-hmm. and she's not wearing anything underneath and she's visibly yeah. uncomfortable. But Macy's like, yeah, do it. Like, Yeah. And Macy even asks, like, can we get are you planning on doing a full body shot? Like, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Right, 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 right. You know, you see Macy trying to control Noni's romantic life and wants her to be with Kid Culprit, which is also, we learn that that was like a fabrication by the label, like, oh, they got together for press, quote unquote, and then it seemed like it turned into something more real, whatever that even means between mm-hmm. in a relationship with Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, but, you know, Macy's trying Baffling. to control that aspect of Noni's life. Just all these different things. And then, like, later on when Macy, it seems like there's a tender moment between them. And it seems like Macy is advocating for Noni in the meeting with the label. Turns out it was all an act. It was just Macy doing the thing that she always does, which is manipulating and controlling. Mm-hmm. I do think that Macy cares for and and loves her daughter she just doesn't do it in a healthy way at all she doesn't love and support noni the way that she needs to be loved and supported which is a very you know familiar thing for for many people that's what a lot of parent child relationships are like or just what a lot of relationships are like in general so Mm -hmm. i appreciated that it was i think a pretty realistic exploration of that Mm -hmm. dynamic where Macy is quote unquote there for Noni but in the most toxic way imaginable and not having her best interests at heart not because she's necessarily like inherently evil she just does she and then we get the backstory that kind of informs a lot of this where yeah. Macy had Noni when she was a teenager and right. she had no support system when she was trying to raise her. Did y'all have, I, I don't know. I, I guess again, I'm, I'm, I was, as, as we were, cause that scene was really interesting to me because it's the first scene that we don't see Macy being outwardly abusive. She mm-hmm. is being emotionally manipulative. Right. Yeah. But not in the aggressive way that we've kind of gotten used to seeing her. Right. I do kind of and and I know that that sets up kind of the bait and switch of Noni. I, I don't blame Noni for going back with her mom because it feels very yeah. clear that like she wants to believe the best in her mom in a way yeah. that seems really painful. I guess I just like I I was trying to like get I was like what is the utility of holding that story back from us for so long like Mm -hmm. I don't know I wonder if you view like how it affects the movie if that scene comes earlier I didn't I guess it felt like Mm -hmm. a twist uh, like it was presented like a not like a twist but I just was I don't know I don't feel one particular way about it but I was like it's interesting that that comes up so late in the movie because I feel like part of what I'm missing with Noni's character is like an understanding of her outside of that first scene, yeah, which is clear what the dynamic is, but it would have just been nice to know because it just helps you understand her better. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have so much to say about Macy. Please. Um, okay. Because what I appreciate about the hair scene in the beginning, she, d- she doesn't say, do my daughter's hair. She says, show me. Mm-hmm. She says, show, show me how to do my daughter's hair. Um, and Gina Prince-Bypwood talks about like, being adopted by white parents and and her white parents taking her to the hairdresser going like help please help mm-hmm. um and again i'm not i'm not saying this to excuse any of her behavior in the movie uh but like witnessing her her black child the only black child amongst an array of white girls and very shiny outfits who were mm-hmm. dancing or hula hooping the majority of the time um and that being prioritized over her over her daughter like that having like a sense like a sense of 
valid. Like I, I sense that anger is as valid where she, where she's like that hula hooping. That's bullshit. I actually like mm-hmm. appreciate like she's yelling about that instead of yelling directly at her daughter. But then she does yell directly at, at her daughter, going like "chuck it" with the trophy, and that's yeah. very sad. And I'm like, dang it! Mm-hmm. Um, like, <laughs> I know um, it's. I like that she's written to be so frustrating, though. Yeah. Like. Sorry, continue. And, and yeah, so then you see her black daughter with like with like a weave that's straight hair, and like for the scene in the kitchen, Noni mentions a, a nose job, not just the weave. So it's so it's like oh, like so your white mom is continuing to tell you over the years, like here's how you make yourself more European for this music industry, mm-hmm. and like and I think that's where like Kid Culprit comes in too, because like Big Sean was up for the part, but he didn't get it, and he ended up like just having that short scene with Noni going like hey you good um and I have mixed feelings about it because on because on one end it's it's like would have appreciated someone with more talent in the role uh but at the same time like casting casting a white rapper and a white mom choosing the white rapper for her biracial daughter mm-hmm. sort sort of makes sense especially like when it comes to this white rapper garnering a lot of success and it's like, he is your key to success. Um, mm-hmm. And again, not saying this at all to like excuse any of that behavior. Um, and yeah, Noni falling in love with a, with a black man. And then Macy going like, mm, I don't trust you. <laughs> like, right. I trust the white guy. I want my daughter to right. be with the white guy. Mm-hmm. And again, you can't hit that point home more clearly than choosing machine gun kelly to be the white guy that you put your trust in yeah yeah that scene i thought was i I was glad that we got a scene between officer kazam and macy i again it's like i wish that it wasn't more clear cut that it's like he is the right choice Mm -hmm. and she's the wrong choice because it's I I think there's an argument that they're maybe both the wrong choice exactly uh, Noni needs to spend some time with herself and not in someone else's quote-unquote clutches or whatever but I I, yeah I my I, I love that sort of analysis of the character where it's like she's she's really challenging and I just don't think I've seen a lot of characters like her in movies before. And because, and mm-hmm. she's also objectively, they're not shying away from the fact that she's an abusive parent. Like right. she's an abusive stage parent who fundamentally is willing to glaze over what is good for her daughter by, and, and justifying it with like a survival thing when they're clearly mm-hmm. past the point of needing to be survival minded. That's true. They're doing yeah. well. And I, I loved, I really liked, um, what Noni says when she confronts her, like, makes the argument that it's like, so much of this is for you. It's not all for me in the way that you're presenting in the way that I think we hear about a lot of stage parent stories of like, yeah, I did this for you. I did this to protect you. And it's mm-hmm. like she and and Noni was like, I was telling you what I that this wasn't working. I forget the wording. But like, I, I, I was telling you something was wrong when I was standing on that balcony. And you yes. And and Macy pressures her to say that nothing's wrong because Macy cannot deal with a world in which something is wrong. And I can also see how a parent deludes themselves into needing to believe that to the detriment of their kid. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I still feel like Macy got off a little easy, but I but it's also like a, a dynamic that I haven't seen portrayed in movies especially because we just so rarely get mother-daughter dynamics in movies at all Mm -hmm. and to to see it and not have it be like a 
clean ending of like, my mama is my life, which I feel like when we do get mothers and daughters, it often goes that way. It's like not allowed to be messy or complicated. And I really like, I think Gina Prince-Bythewood does this across her work is like not afraid to get into a messy mother-daughter scenario. And I really appreciate that about her. Does anyone have anything else they'd like to discuss? I'm going to check my notes, make sure I've got everything. Um, at one point, Kaz says to Noni, when Noni shows the songwriting notes, he, he says, I've interacted with C-word, ableist C-word people, mm-hmm. and I can tell you're your seat c word and like she laughs it off and i'm like we're supposed to be rooting for this guy like what then then later when his dad says that c word broad and he's like don't talk about her like that it's like you talked about her like that what are you talking about her face yeah imagine like showing the most vulnerable thing you've ever put to paper and like you know just like things about your feelings and even just showing anything you've written to someone if you're a writer is scary. <laughs> and then he is like, wow, you seem, yeah, ableist word. And she's like, ha ha ha. And it's like, sir, just all the men in her life were horrible. Because again, kid culprit, like, yeah, there. I mean, the thing that grossed me out the most about him, outside of obviously the scene where he assaults her on national television, which again, Noni needs to be rescued from. Anyways, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this uh, it's like the first scene that he's in and he tells her to keep it tight and her mom does not flinch. She's like, yep, no issue with this because her mom's also constantly policing her body. And you're just like, yeah, Ugh. nasty. So the scene where Noni breaks up with Kid Culprit, he's he seems like he handles it okay. He's like, I won't shed a tear about it, but I thought we had something good. And she's like, we were just kind of hooking up. Like, nothing deeper was happening. Right. She's like, damn near married. I loved I loved leave, uh, hearing it in the in a British accent too. Like we were texting and then we were hitting it and then we were texting about hitting it. I was like, wow. <laughs> Wow, it sounds so fancy when you say it like that. (laughs) But then when we see Kid Culprit again, you learn that he did not handle that rejection well at all. His male ego is particularly fragile, and it was very shattered to the point where he lashes out aggressively and violently, and he sexual assaults her on stage in front of thousands of people, which Mm -hmm. her mother says nothing about as it's happening her mother shames her afterwards it is like well look what happened as if and i think that what she's implying there is like because you broke up with him this is the consequence and Mm. you're just like fuck you Mm. yeah anything else i wish there was more focus on like how sexism clearly affects noni more than kaz Cause like he like in his politician world like he's fine because like you lose the pastors but he gets the youth vote mm-hmm. and like not even putting into consideration how like Noni basically lost her job like was dropped from the label just to like get back on the label but st- uh, but still like mm-hmm. yeah he's just on like an extended vacation <laughs> like he's just like because he calls he's like hey I'll be back soon. 
and you're like his job is yeah his job is at no point is at risk really he's just <laughs> more no danny glover dad i don't want that and danny glover's like oh <laughs> i should be in a, another saw movie <laughs> that's how he reacts <laughs> to most people in every movie said saw yeah he's like exactly. you know now that you say that i really it's high time i'm in saw 11 <laughs> oh, if only. there's apparently like some deleted like set of dialogue where like kaz tells nody about the death of his mom like where mm. the director says that in an interview and i'm like <sighs> what well they do like reference that in one danny glover scene where he's like i don't want to be a heartbroken old man and you're like first time i'm hearing the mom is dead yeah so that makes sense that that was referenced at some other point uh, uh, this movie uh, <laughs> what <laughs> it's interesting and she talks about how like it got scrapped because like working with her husband helps her she says something along the lines of like oh working with my husband helps me like get rid of certain drafts that i don't need as well as like highlighting what love and respect could look like and i don't want to dig so much at gina prisbythewood's personal life but at the same time it's like so i have questions because we have this black love story that is not good and the black love story in love and basketball was also not good and you've mentioned like your husband has helped you with that like, I just have so many follow-up questions about, like, what what your ideal romance is. And I know that there was, like, conversations mm-hmm. earlier about, like, tropes come from, like, other points of media and so on and so yeah. forth. And at, the, and at the same time, it's, like, what are the trophy things in your romantic relationship that you are reflecting in your film? Right. Mm-hmm. Makes you wonder. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> Well, this movie does pass the Bechdel test. It does! A lot. A lot. (laughs) Uh, Many of the conversations are between a woman and her abusive mother. Yep. But But it does pass. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any other passes between or besides those two characters? No, which I feel like is a... uh, a sign that it would be I understand that it is in keeping with the the music industry that there are a lot of men uh, at the top that's part of why these issues are so perpetuated and mm-hmm. unchallenged in the long term it would have been nice to give her a woman within the music industry to talk to I think it would have like more strongly enforced a lot of the themes that the movie's handling well and getting like the romantic interest cops take on the music industry I guess I just wasn't very interested in his takes right there are two friends of hers it seems that get introduced but then quickly disappear from the story it's the people who are like following her to the hotel room early on right right and they're like aha she's drunk which is also weird because it's like said by Macy later maybe it's just that like Noni does drink and her mom doesn't know about it but her friends are like haha she's drunk but then we're later told you don't drink because like, in the beginning uh one of the friends 
tells Noni when she after she wins the Billboard Award, she's in the car. I didn't notice this until the second time I watched this. Uh, mm-hmm. But like one of the friends go, "Whoa, our girl is imbibing." Right. Um, so yeah. not that lying. Wow. <laughs> so that does imply that she doesn't normally drink. So okay, okay, I missed that line. I mean, either God way. bless that line. <laughs> either way, she does have a female friend. The other guy or the other person seems to be a, a man. I think he's a gay man because he's talking yeah. about a man he's in tra- attracted to, or he's you know he's queer. And it's like, where are those friends? Why aren't they? helping in some way where's their support that they could be giving Mm -hmm. what's going on there the movie doesn't seem to care very much anyway we've got a nipple scale to rate the movie on yeah our scale of zero to five nipples based on examining the movie through an intersectional feminist lens for me ooh, i don't i wish i could give this more um because i do like Gina Prince-Bythewood's work generally, and I appreciate that she's one of the few directors who is a Black woman who's getting mainstream movies out there. And even so, like, still, I mean, as we talked about on our episode on The Women King last year, is still not getting the amount of um, institutional respect that she deserves from award bodies. And For sure. Yeah, check out our episode on the woman king for more discussion on that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i i wish she had made a movie that uh there wasn't so much to uh criticize about but it's so and i'm surprised that this movie is so uncritical of police mm-hmm. based on who the direct the writer director is the romance in the movie in the implications of it not enough development of the Noni character, all all these things, you know, not great. I do appreciate what the movie has to say about the commodification mm-hmm. of women, but uh, it just doesn't quite tip the scales enough. So I think I'll just say 2.5 nipples. I'll give one to Gugu Mbatha Ra. I'll give one to mini driver i like her as far as i know i hope she's not done or said anything problematic Uh you never know it's so hard to keep track of everybody as far as i know she's still with us yeah uh and of course i'll give my half nipple to danny glover of saw one fame i'm also gonna give this Two and a half. Yeah. I mean, I, I am a Gina Prince Bythewood fan. This is just like not my favorite from her. And it, it hasn't aged well in many regards, some of which were within her control, some of which weren't. I feel like I've come down hard on this. I don't know. I like 2014 still feels too late for such an aggressive LAPD cop hero love story. I know that like, obviously, if this movie was made today, there would be a number of things that would not be the way that they are. Nate Parker's casting to begin with. Right. And that the world has changed a lot since this movie came out. So I hope Mm -hmm. I didn't come down too hard on it. I really am a big fan of this writer director. I just did not really, I don't know, where where I think this movie does work is its commentary on, uh, like we've talked about the commodification of women and femmes bodies in entertainment and the sort of zero-sum game for someone who wants to make art on their own terms and be successful. Those parts worked. Uh, The romance didn't really hit for me. I'm pro like learning yourself better through a romantic relationship, but we just didn't really see 
anything outside of that it just it, which just leads the the viewer to believe that it was the romantic relationship that caused all of these things which doesn't feel fair to noni's character mm-hmm. let's see okay so i'm gonna go 2.5 uh i'm going to give one to gugu i'm going to give one to Minnie, and i'm going to give my half to jigsaw wow yes wow <laughs> yes maya how about you I'm going to give it three. I'm going to give it three because like it's it's very much not perfect as far as like this and the entire romance angle and the copaganda and like so many other things that we've talked about. But I just really appreciate the amount of black women involved in the making of the movie. Mm-hmm. And like it took so long to get made because Judah Prince Bythewood was advocating for Gugu to be in the role, like even though like a bunch of singers and songwriters had auditioned for the role she wanted Gugu Mbothra in it even though she had a musical theater background and this was before she got casted in Bell and before her like career skyrocketed between 2014 yeah. and 2016 and it was a black woman who was like yeah I see the promise in this film and like in like BET films got to like showcase it so I really appreciate the amount of fighting for this film that happened even though it does make me sad that like Gina Prince-Bythewood like fought so much more for like Gugu Mbothra than what she did for Sinai Lathan uh, for Love and Basketball who does yeah. make a brief cameo in this in this movie so I assume yeah. things are fine but like Wait. and they work together again like af- after that so yeah again I, I assume things are fine but still it's like wow um <laughs> where's her cameo I, I missed it at the BET awards right before oh. um they right before they perform on stage like where they're walking Got the it. red carpet and stuff yeah yes. like we see her for like two seconds like posing so she doesn't have okay. a speaking role um <laughs> mm-hmm. um and yeah just loving how Minnie Driver took on the role even though a lot of actresses were like I don't want to take on this role she's she's evil um and Minnie Driver is like I don't give a fuck about your perception of me I'm gonna be of service to this movie um yeah she's like I'm Minnie fucking Driver <laughs> like yeah I was in Phantom of the, Phantom Opera. Of the Opera 2004 <laughs> Uh, and she has a singing background too, which I didn't know for like the longest time. And true, would have been interesting to to see if like that could have been included. I don't, I don't know. She's in. She was in Gross Point Blank. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, <laughs> amongst other hits. Uh. Um, and there's another interview where uh, the director talks about um, almost losing a loved one to suicide and therefore wanting to put that in the in the story's film. And I and I. In the film story, excuse me. And I can appreciate that, even though it's not perfect. And like, and she's touched on suicide in a lot of her films, mm. like whether she's written them or directed them. Mm. Um, and I find that an interesting pattern for her and her work. Like she, she was supposed to be adapting a story that was about mental illness, but then it got passed to a white dude. I'm upset about that. Because um, <laughs> like the novelist or something like wanted to work work with him instead because like mark ruffalo had said like this guy's great oh. god <laughs> so wow. screw that so so yeah i'm giving three nipples um <laughs> i'm gonna give one to i wrote this down <laughs> i'm gonna give mm-hmm. one for gugu babathra and mini driver to share i'm gonna give one to the choreographer Lorian gibson and gina prince bythewood to share and i'm gonna give one to Shaka Khan um, yes. and the actor Daryl Stevens who plays the queer black man in the beginning who we barely mm. <laughs> hell yeah 
and I and I said like maybe I would give it three point five if I could give like point five to Shaka Khan's assistant being credited in the Oh, nice, nice. And Caitlin, you were going to say something. <laughs> oh, no. I was just going to thank you for joining us on this yeah, episode. Thanks for returning. So and, much fun. Uh, where can people check out your stuff? Plug away. Yeah, thank you. Folks can follow me at mdub16, E-M-M-D-U-B-B-1-6 on Instagram and Twitter. And I have a website, mywilliamspoet.com. Um, I have a second book out, which again, thank you again for ha- for having me again, just uh, because like for we did Perks of Being a Wallflower, first book came out was Judas and Suicide. Uh, we're doing Beyond the Lights, second book that came out. It's a, a book poetry collection called Refused a Second Date. Mm-hmm. And it's about racism and dating, mental health and dating, and like intergenerational dating patterns between myself and my mom. My mom is actually on the cover of this collection. Um, mm. And I'm still happy that she said it's yes. an incredible picture. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, my mom is biracial, which plays a huge role into why I identify as Black and multiracial. And again, like seeing beyond the lights and seeing multiracial representation like when we were getting like a spike of it between 2014 and 2016 was really impactful Mm -hmm. and yeah please please buy my book (laughs) hell yes this one's through a different publisher harbor editions very nice amazing and you can uh, follow us on instagram and twitter at bechtelcast you can subscribe to our matreon where you get two bonus episodes every single month always centering an awesome theme that's so cool and good and always has a really good awesome name like the pinocchio wars of 2023 (laughs) we just wrapped up dance sember we covered a couple dance movies can you believe it can you believe it so excited to listen to Honey got brought up. That's another dance movie that yes. we will have to add to the list. Yeah, um, true. And true. Uh, that can be found at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. And it's $5 a month and gets you access to the entire back catalog of bonus episodes. Absolutely. Uh, you can get our merch over at tpublic.com slash the Bechtelcast. And uh, again, we'll also be linking uh, where you can buy Maya's work because we're just simply big fans over here. Thank you. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, an honor that you, you joined us again. Thank you so much. Yeah. Always happy to join y'all again. Thank you both so much. Oh, yeah. Yay. Now let's go on stage and sing a song. Wow, powerful ending. I know. Bye. Bye bye. Wait, what happened to the British accents? Bye. Oh, uh. <laughs> the Bechtel cast is a production of iHeartMedia, hosted by Caitlin Durante and Jamie Loftus, produced by Sophie Lichterman, edited by Mo Laborde. Our theme song was composed by Mike Kaplan, with vocals by Catherine Voskresensky. Our logo and merch is designed by Jamie Loftus. And a special thanks to Aristotle Acevedo. For more information about the podcast, please visit linktree slash Bechtelcast. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.